everybody. Welcome to the export. I'm Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tay, aka somebody who I have to recommend for you and anybody. If you have Netflix or access to somebody's Netflix, check out the Untold Johnny Manziel doc. It was very interesting. Honestly, it could have been like multiple parts, but I understand if he didn't want to go like too too deep and stuff. But it was a really really good watch. Yeah, I plan on watching it. Uh, when I saw that they announced it, I was like, I'm definitely in just because, I mean, at that time frame when Johnny Manziel was doing his thing in Texas a and he was definitely the biggest thing in college football. So it's, at least I'm glad to know that he's good. Yeah, it's really, really good. And I mean, like I said, honestly, I feel like it could be longer. Um, just because Johnny Manziel was such an interesting character. But, I mean, I texted you about it, you know, not to spoil it for anybody who hasn't watched it yet. But, like, it really shows that while NIL is not exactly a perfect solution, college football players do deserve to get some sort of compensation. Because just when you hear how much money schools and universities are making on these athletes and they couldn't get a dime, it was insane. And so that's what – and it is just frustrating to see, like – for a time, Johnny Manziel got in trouble for, you know, the autograph situation. I believe Cam Newton got in trouble for something like that. Reggie Bush. I mean, he don't even get credit for his Heisman. But so it just shows that the NCAA, I understand what they were trying to do, but it was a still flawed system, not giving their players anything. So highly recommend everybody checking that out. Also, speaking of checking out, um, for those of you who have not watched SummerSlam, you might want to skip ahead because right now I'm going to talk to Ethan about SummerSlam and then later on in the show, me and Embryo, a.k.a. Chris Waters, go do a deep dive into it, talk about who won within our group as well as like who won the matches, favorite matches, go on to different tangents. Um, so be sure to hang on to the rest of the show. That's when that will take place. Uh, with regards to the NFL, it's been a lot of action, a lot of players getting signed with training cramp hitting its midway point um so we're going to talk about those as well as get to probably my favorite thing we do on this show which is break down nfl divisions today we're going to talk about the afc and nfc east and then with the nba we're going to talk about anthony davis's recent contract extension and 2k dropping the top 10 highest rated players in this year's game but before we get to any of that please share check out the export.net i repeat export.net for school sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers previous episodes of our lovely podcast Podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. So, without further ado, let's get Ethan's thoughts on SummerSlam. So, I know we talked about it off air, but for our listeners, what would you say was your favorite match? My favorite match is honestly a tie between the women's triple threat and the tribal combat. Apparently, Roman Reigns actually got hurt in that match. Which I did not know. And I hope it's not like anything significant to where he's going to be out for a while. Even though it's not like I thought he was going to have like any title defenses no time soon. But I hope he's okay. But, uh, yeah. You guys will hear my favorite match later. But I did think that women's triple threat was a lot of fun. And I don't think any – none of us actually picked Bianca Belair. But, I mean, literally when it ended and she came back to win, I screamed. I was so excited for her. All right, what was your favorite moment of the night? Favorite moment? Uh, I guess. I mean, cause I really, I didn't, I didn't watch the same 
Ronda. I didn't watch the Battle Royale. Y'all sped through those. Probably, I'll probably say the interaction between Cody and Brock at the end. Because it kind of felt like like some real genuine, like, hey, you, you're the guy now, kid, type of interaction. I thought it was cool. And did you know that um, it wasn't scripted? Like, Brock did that on his own? Yeah, that's, I can tell you that that's why I was like, I kind of liked the moment because it felt like a, a genuine, like, Brock spinning the business. Cody had this great match, and, like, Brock acknowledging, like, hey, you're a mix. Yeah. Which is weird because they're not, it's not that big of an age difference between the two. But, yeah, it was a really cool moment to see Brock actually treat somebody nicely. Um, all right, who would you say increase and decrease their stock? Increase stock. Um, I'm going. I hate to say because I don't like him, but Logan Paul, uh, and Cody decrease. I'm probably going to have to go with Oscar. Fair. Um. Let's say, what was the one booking decision that you would have done differently? Um, one booking decision I would have done differently. I would have had Oscar win. I, if I knew, if I knew, which we all kind of assumed, if I knew that EL Sky was going to cash in, I would have had Oscar win it, and she cash in on EO, and they create like this. Um, this um angle of like two Asian born superstars having a rivalry against each other. Me and Embryo have talked about that a lot, like just in the booking for that match and the lead up to it and everything. I think that that feud is going to take place because I think Charlotte and Bianca are going to be having a feud, which is going to open the door for uh Oscar and EO feud. Um. So, I think it's going to come regardless. Um, it'll just be interesting to see when exactly that match happens because I also know at some point it's going to be EO versus Bailey. I just wonder if they want to save that for Mania um, first. But, yeah, I think we're going to see that feud regardless. Um, all right, and then what would you say was your biggest WTF moment of the night? My biggest WTF uh... Them actually pulling the plug on making Jimmy cause Jay to match. Like me and you, I think me and you talked about it in the prediction. And in my mind, even though I thought that was the right thing to do, I didn't think that they would have done, they were going to do it. And to see them actually do it, it actually shocked me. I was surprised when it happened, but then I was like, dang, I feel like I kind of jinxed something. Because I think you and I had talked about the, uh, the interview that Jay did where he was like, it's our dream to like have a feud against each other. And so it makes sense like to have him lose to Roman instead of having him just lose outright. It makes a lot of sense for Jimmy to be the one to cost him. I'm excited to see like how they book it and how they frame it. Um, but yeah, I was kind of surprised that they actually did it too. All right. But uh, overall, how would you grade the show? I would give it, honestly, I'll give it, I'll give it an eight. Cause I mean, the two matches that 
I didn't watch because I had no interest, no real interest in with the Battle Royal. But I mean, even that accomplished something by giving LA Knight some more momentum. And the Shayna and Ronda uh, match, it accomplished something by getting, like, sending Ronda um, off and establishing Shayna Baszler so that she can now, I guess she's about to feed I forgot who it was this past Monday. So it's look so she had the match with Zoe Stark and won, but she made a statement that like she was coming for Becky, so I could see that being her next like legit food fuel. But so but even with that, like you built up Shayna enough to feud with Becky after the win against Ronda because the whole thing could be like I took out the baddest woman in the the baddest woman on the planet. Now I'm gonna take out the man, and like, and so I think that accomplished something. And then for the match, like in my opinion, it wasn't a bad match on the card. It's just some were good and some were better than good. So I will give it an A. I feel that. Um, and also good news, you came in second place. You went, I think, six and two. So congratulations. I think this was your second or third pay per view back. So. You had a great outing. Congratulations. Thank you. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to the NFL because, like I said, a lot of people got paid. But first, let's talk about the people who are going to be missing out on some paychecks. Um, Earlier this week, it was announced that Seahawks wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge and Chiefs defensive end Charles Aminu were going to be suspended for the next six games, well, the first six games of the season after violations to the personal conduct policy. No specific word was given on what they did. But honestly, both guys are considered like deaf players, so it's not exactly like really the end of the world for either team. Uh, moving on to some players who got paid. Uh, safety John Johnson is making his return to L.A. after signing with them on a one-year deal. Uh, Philadelphia double-dipped at linebacker, signing both Miles Jack and Zach Cunningham to one year deals the panthers bring in outside linebacker justin houston on a one-year seven million dollar deal not gonna lie my feelings are hurt just a little bit because i was hoping he'd come back to baltimore but i mean i'm happy to see he got paid but lord i hope this doesn't mean we bring in jadavia cloudy um moving on to another former raven the uh chicago bears and yannick Ngakwes agreed to a one-year ten and a half million dollar deal and tight end mercedes lewis is also headed to the windy city then speaking of my ravens uh they signed defensive lineman broderick washington to a three-year 17.5 million dollar extension with 10 mil guaranteed um, and the Bengals kept one of their star players, linebacker Logan Wilson, in tow for the next four years worth $37.5 million on the extension. Cowboys extend safety Malik Hooker to, the th to a three-year extension worth $24 mil. And the Patriots are giving star edge rusher Matt Judon a big rage. Originally, he was only slated to get $2 million fully guaranteed this season, but that's been bumped up to a $14 million guaranteed deal. Now, let's talk about the New Orleans Saints, who have had an up-and-down week. On the positive, they ended up extending eight-time Pro Bowl defensive end Cam Jordan to a two-year deal worth $27.5 million deals keeping him in the NOLA for the next couple of seasons and allowing him the chance to chase that illustrious Super Bowl that we all know he wants. 
But then it was also announced that running back Alvin Kamara is going to be suspended three games for his role in a fight outside of a Las Vegas nightclub last year. Now for those first three games of the season, the Saints will see the Titans, Panthers, and Packers, and he'll be eligible to return week four against the Bucks. But without Alvin Kamara in tow, how do you think that the Saints will manage? Uh, I think they're going to be sad. Like, I can see them going, like, I can see them winning two games, or I can see it being, like, I mean, obviously it's no ties, but I don't see it being, like, anything just because, I mean, they still have Jamal Williams. He's a good back, and they also still have some good receivers. Like, yes, I think that Alvin Kamara probably is the, the best or second best player on their offense, but I still can see them getting by without him for at least three games. Who do you think would be first? Uh, talking about the best or second best player on offense? Yeah. If Chris Olave made a jump, that would be the only other person. Um, Chris Olave is cool, but Alvin Kamara has been doing it for years, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take away that title from him for a minute. Um, but yeah, I think they're gonna be fine. I mean, obviously with the um, obviously with the Titans, that's gonna be a very interesting game because I mean both teams have brought in some shiny new toys. They want to see what they look like. Um, but it's gonna be an ugly game regardless. Um, and then for the Panthers, they'll be – I don't really know what the Panthers are really going to be yet because, I mean, their offense looks almost totally new from what it did the last time they took the field. Um, but their defense, I mean, like you mentioned, Jamal Williams is going to be good. They drafted Kendra Miller out of TCU, and I think that he has potential to be a really, really good player or at least a nice deaf guy um, in the meantime. And then the Packers – Another team we have no clue, but they do have a strong defense. So I don't think that would have been a crazy rushing game for Alvin Kamara anyway, but his ability to catch the ball in the backfield wouldn't turn some heads. So I think the Saints will be fine. I mean, right now, on paper, they have the best quarterback they have had since Drew Brees. And I think Derek Carr, with the weapons that they have, you mentioned Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, if he can stay healthy, which is the biggest question. Um, then you got guys at tight end. You still got Taysom Hill. You brought in Foster Moreau. Jimmy Graham is still on the roster at this point. I mean, I think there's enough pieces around for them to be okay during this stretch. But, I mean, I think they lose a little bit of juice without Kamara. But I don't think it will be enough to, like, cost them games. But, all right, let's look at some injury news. Luckily, it's not as bad as it was last week, but it's still some crushing blows. For example, the Steelers lose rookie cornerback Corey Trice for the rest of the season, and the Houston Texans lose offensive lineman Scott Questenberry for the year after sustaining a knee injury. So, things you hate to see. But let's try to move on to a more positive note. Let's go ahead and break down the AFC and NFC East. Starting out of the AFC, which is, as we know, is comprised of the Jets, Bills, Dolphins, and Patriots. Of those teams, Ethan, what team do you think is the most underrated? The team that I think is the most underrated. Uh, I'm going to have to go with the Dolphins. I think after the Jets signed Aaron Rodgers, and the moves that they made and like extending Quinn Williams all of this stuff. I think they got they got a lot of hype. The Bills, they've been labeled as the team the team that could potentially dethrone 
the Chiefs in the AFC for a couple of years, but I people I think people forget like last year when Tua was healthy, the Dolphins were dangerous. And you add in the fact that like he you get in another year of being on the mic on Mike Daniels, his offense. Yes, I know you take a blow into the injury of Jalen Ramsey, but you still have talent on this side of the ball too. So I'm gonna go with the Dolphins. I'm actually, as crazy as it sounds, I'm going to say the Bills because you mentioned, like, over the past couple of years, the Bills have kind of been looked like at that t- as that team who could dethrone the Chiefs. But this offseason, it's really been all Jets and Dolphins, especially since the Dolphins traded for Jalen Ramsey. And I think that people forget that the Bills have won the division for the past couple of years, and they really didn't have any major blows in terms of losses to the team. And so I know that you and I both have our feelings about Josh Allen and we feel like him as a player is overrated, but I think top to bottom, the Bills roster is still very, very good and more than capable of leading them to another division title. But I can understand the glitz and the glam of New York and the Dolphins kind of skewing that, but let's not forget that the Bills have been dominant for the past several years. And I'm barring some major injury to one of their stars. I don't anticipate that changing. But let's go ahead and move on to the most overrated player. I think you and I are going to end up agreeing on this one. Most overrated player? Oh, 100% Josh Allen. Um, I'm sorry, not player. I'm sorry. My bad. Most overrated uh, team. My bad. I'm most sorry. Overrated. Oh, most overrated team. Still 100% the Jets. Yeah. Like, I think, like, don't get me wrong. I think the addition of Aaron Rodgers has made them really intriguing because they already had. In my opinion, they were one of those teams that fall into the category of like, oh, they're just a quarterback away. Because they had Gary Wilson, who's the offensive group of the year, who showed great flashes last season. Brees um, Hall, they were bringing him back even though he was injured. But like, he's a guy that was looking like he was going to be the offensive player of the year before, rookie of the year, before he got hurt. Um, they bring in all of A Rod's. Friends slash weapons from Green Bay and Adam Lazard and um, Randall Cobb, but it's like we don't. It's again at the end of the day, you're in a division where the Bills are have been running randomly throughout for the last couple of years. The Dolphins are on a slouch, and for all we know, Bill Belichick could be sitting back like Sam's the Palpatine in Star Wars really growing up like a, a, a good Patriots team. So I'm going to have to go with the Jets. Yeah, we're definitely in agreement on the Jets. I mean, for everything that you mentioned, I mean, they were a team that last year, everyone talked about if they were a quarterback away from making the playoffs. I don't think anybody was like, they're a quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl or even going to the Super Bowl. And Aaron Rodgers is a future Hall of Famer. He is an all-time great. No one would dispute that. However... Let's not sit up here and act like Aaron Rodgers is coming off one of those MVP seasons. And you can make the excuses that you want. Well, his uh, his wide receivers were young. And, oh, he didn't have Devontae Adams, blah, blah, blah. But we've seen time and time again Aaron Rodgers make guys who weren't exactly somebody's look like superstars. And no disrespect to guys like Romeo Dobbs or um, Christian Watson and cats like that. But, I mean – we just did not see the same Aaron Rodgers that we were used to. And so I just don't think it's fair 
for to all of a sudden be like, oh yeah, the Jets are totally gonna win a Super Bowl now because Aaron Rodgers is there. They're gonna contend. Like, nah, like which Aaron Rodgers are we gonna get? Aaron Rodgers from last year might help them squeak in to be a wild card team. Aaron Rodgers from the year before, sure, they could contend, but I gotta see him on the field first before I'm willing to make any big assumptions like that. But all right, let's go ahead and talk our favorite player in the AFC East. Favorite player in the AFC East, for me, it is Quinny Williams and Christian on Wilkins. You said uh, Quinny Williams and who, I'm sorry? Christian. Wilkins? Yeah, Wilkins. Oh, Dolphins, okay, not surprised that you're going with a D-tackle. Um, For me, I mean, until Tredavious White leaves the AFC East or another beloved player of mine decides to go up there, I'm 100% going to stick with Tredavious White. I mean, LSU guy, been one of the top, at worst, 15 corners the league has had to offer since he got drafted back in 2017. I mean, he's just been one of the most consistent guys, and so – I don't expect that this year is going to be any different. All right, so now let's move on to who, what player, coach, exec, whatever, do you think is facing a prove-it year? Player, coach, exec, I think it's facing a prove-it year. Um, player, I'm going to have to go with Josh Adam. Um, I think... Again, me and you both have a different opinion of him than a lot of people. But it's like, he's been deemed the second best guy for the past couple of years. And he hasn't really, like, shown it from the standpoint of winning. I mean, I think I sent you a graphic maybe earlier last week where, in all actuality, his numbers aren't better than Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins is a guy that people kind of bash and, little quite often um from a exact standpoint it's problem I probably would say Bill Belichick because again since Tom Brady hasn't been there the Patriots haven't been looking like the Patriots and I think like it might be with him getting older the writing might be on the wall to where it might be time for um, time for him to be out in the league he has another like so far season for me i just have a player um josh allen definitely was up there aaron Rodgers was another one but i'm gonna say sauce gardner um i mean we talked about this what last week when we did our defensive ratings i said i'm not putting a rookie in my top five of any position and you were on the opposite and you had sauce as your number one corner and a lot of people think that he is a top corner if not the top corner in the nfl today and I don't want it to make it seem like I'm a hater. I don't think that he's a good player. I think he is, but I got to see more. And so if we get sauce from what he was a rookie, as a rookie year, then, yeah, it's much easier to put him in your top five just because of what he was able to do in consecutive years. But if he comes into this season and he's getting burned and teams are, and wide receivers are doing him dirty, then I think that people are going to really look at him sideways and question if he really is the guy that he was anointed to be as a rookie. So I think that – if he doesn't play to that level or is a little bit worse than that, I think that it's going to really cause some questions about his reputation and who he exactly is as a player. Um, but let's go move on. What player do you think is going to break out this year? Player that I think is going to break out. 
Uh, it's weird to say, but I might throw some stock in Mac Jones. I think I think he's been severely underrated and picked apart, but I think like last season, a lot of it had to do with the fact that like he didn't have a real offensive coordinator. He didn't. And, like I think you give him an offensive coordinator, and I think you're going to see you give him the weapons that he has aren't great, but they're serviceable. And I think if you pair the two of giving him serviceable weapons and giving him an actual OC. I think you might see like Ricky Year's class better than Ricky Year Mac Jones again. That I mean Ricky Year Mac Jones got the job done. They did make the playoffs. Um, I'm gonna go with a more under the radar name. I'm gonna go cornerback Kader Cahoe. I hope that's how you said. If not, my bad. For those of you who don't know, he went undrafted last year, was signed by the Miami Dolphins, and one could argue he looked like their best cornerback last year. I mean, Xavier Howard is the bigger name. Byron Jones was there as well, but he played really, really well throughout the course of the season, especially for a guy who had no expectations coming in. And so, and so now this year, at worst, or especially with um, Jalen Ramsey being out, he's going to be the team's number two corner. He's going to get pushed to limit a little bit more. But I think that because of the added responsibilities and getting more playing time, people are really going to see just how good of an actual player that he is. And so I think that this could be a really, really big year for him um, to make a name for himself and show that, hey, I know Xavier Howard's here. I know we just traded for Jalen Ramsey, but don't forget about me too. I can also play really, really well. But I, what? Who do you think is going to be the standout rookie of the division? Standout rookie. I'm trying to think what rookies are in this division. Um, I'll I'll go first. I went with a uh, cornerback Christian Gonzalez, taken by the Patriots with their first round pick. I mean, their secondary is one that doesn't exactly have a whole lot of star power but they have solid players. I think that a guy like Christian Gonzalez could wind up being a star just because he has the fundamentals, he has the length, he has the ball skills, that big playability that they've really been lacking since Stephon Gilmore left. And I think that, especially considering how pass-heavy the division and the receivers that they're going up against, they need a guy like that who could step to a number one and match up with him blow for blow. And I think that Christian Gonzalez is going to be able to do that. I'm actually going to agree with you because I completely forgot that they drafted him. Uh, and especially given the fact that like they're going to rely on, they're going to need a corner because of the way that Bill likes to play defense. He likes to play a lot of man, likes to play a lot of press. I think Christian Gonzalez is going to be that guy. Yeah, in agreement with you there. Um, all right, let's talk bold predictions for the division. Bold predictions. Uh. My bold prediction is that Miami is going to win the division, and two is going and two is going to look like he might if he stays healthy. Two might end up looking like the best quarterback in that division. I can see that. Um. For me, uh, my bold prediction is Kayshawn Butte, who the Patriots draft, I believe, in the sixth round. 
uh, the wide receiver. I think he finishes no worse than third in receiving yards and touchdowns. This is with the caveat, assuming he makes the roster and is healthy. I mean, you kind of touched on the receiving group that the Patriots have right now. And honestly, it's not exactly names that scare you. Juju Smith-Schuster's there. Yes, he just won a Super Bowl, but nobody would say he was the biggest catalyst for the Chiefs offense a season ago. Um, they drafted Tyquan Thornton last year out of the second round. He's more of a deep threat interested to see how he's going to be using the offense they just extended uh Devontae Parker a guy who's really fallen under the radar I think that looking at this wide receiver room from top to bottom there's a lot of opportunities for somebody to break out and I think that if Kayshawn Butte can showcase the talents that he had at LSU in New England I think that he could mess around and be a really really good receiver for them um and you mentioned you thought that the Dolphins are going to win the division I got Bills but it would not shock me if the Dolphins did end up winning it. But all right, let's go ahead and turn the corner. Let's talk the NFC East. Who do you think is the most underrated uh, team in the division? Oh, by the way, the NFC East is Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, and Commanders, for those of you who did not know. The most underrated team is hard because, in my opinion, this is division with probably some of the most hyped teams in the whole NFL. But I will probably say the Giants just because, granny, I feel like the only buzz that's been around them has been around them, not getting to say corn is money, but they do have a solid team on paper. I don't think I've ever thought I'd see the day when I would say this next sentence, but I think the Cowboys are kind of underrated and not in the sense of like, Nobody's talking about the Cowboys. Nobody thinks the Cowboys are going to do anything. That's not the case at all. But, like, looking at their roster, like, going blow for blow, it, to me, seems like a top five roster in the NFL right now. And you could make an argument that going position by position, they might even collectively be better than the Eagles. Not to say I think they're going to be better this season than the Eagles, but roster-wise – they do match up with them very, very well. And I think that when you talk about the top teams in the NFC, who are the top teams you always hear? Philly and San Francisco, which is totally fair and understandable. But I think that if they're – I don't think I've been more – I'm trying to think I want to say this. Looking at the Cowboys, if I was a Cowboys fan, I don't think I'd be more excited for this team collectively right now than I've been in years. Like, it's – again – I'm not saying this is their year, but I think that the Cowboys kind of get left behind when you talk about the Super Bowl contenders that coming out of the NFC East because I think that their roster has gotten very, very good over the past several months. And I think that if they can stay healthy, and most importantly, Dak can stop throwing a billion interceptions, they could really make some noise this year, especially in the playoffs. But all right, what about you? Who do you think is the most overrated team? Um... It's tough because I'm gonna have to. I'm going to say the Eagles. It's tough because I think they are the best. They're all the best team overall in the NFC. The reason I think they're overrated is kind of what you just stated. It's like there are other teams in this division. I specifically the Cowboys that they're a really good team. And I think people are overlooking them. And it's also the reality of, like, the Eagles lost some good pieces last year. Yes, they have some good pieces that can step in and replace those pieces. 
but the ones that are stepping in are also like not proven yet. Like for one, the Eagles lost their linebackers TJ Edward and most other guys. Shoot. Um, Which one you talking? The, uh, you talking about their linebackers? Uh, Kaiser White. Yeah, and Kaiser White, and they have Nicobe Dean stayed slated to replace them. And we all know Nicobe Dean in Georgia was uh, all time was a great college linebacker. We don't know what he's going to look like in the NFL. Um, they had they replaced Jamar. They lost Jamar Harper. Yes, in my opinion, they might have had the skill of the draft and getting. Jalen Carter because of character issues. But Jalen Carter hasn't played it down in the NFL. Um, and so, like, a lot of the hype that the Eagles are receiving, in my opinion, is based upon the potential of guys that they have stepping in a position that they haven't played, they haven't had a chance to step into yet. I'm going to say, I'm going to say the Giants. And I know that whenever you talk about the Giants, like collectively, it's been all about Saquon and that contract drama. And I think that they still have a solid team, like you said. Like on paper, I think that their team is much better than it was a year ago. But I'm still not looking at them like, oh, yeah, they could dethrone the Philly or they're going to be better than Dallas this year. Like I think that we have the top teams, right, in the conference. And I think that they could entrench themselves in that second tier, but I'm not totally sold on that. Like, I think that a lot of the, if a lot of the new pieces don't work out, looking at rookies like Deontay Banks or Jalen Hyatt, or let's say that Darren Waller has a bad year, he can't stay healthy. How good realistically do we think the Giants are going to be? I think you're banking on a lot of extenuating factors for them to be good or at least be better than what they were last year. And this isn't a knock against the team. Like you go into the offseason with the intentions of getting better, which they have. But if those pieces don't work out, I can't say I trust guys like Daniel Jones to really lead them to the promised land, if that makes sense. But all right, who is your favorite player in the division? Favorite player in the division? I would have to say Fletcher Cox. Do you think this is going to be Fletcher Cox's last year? Probably, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's going to still – it'll be interesting to see the D-line rotation because, I mean, you got him, of course, and then Jordan Davis is entering his second year. You mentioned Jalen Carter. I'm very interested to see how they work that out. Um, for me, like I said with Tredavious White, as long as Saquon Barkley is in that division, I'm going to have a hard time not picking him as my favorite. I mean, he's my favorite running back in the league. And I understand, you know, some of the injury concerns. And I, as crazy as it sounds, yes, the Giants should get him his money 100%. And it looks worse because they gave Daniel Jones 40 mil a season. But I can understand some of their apprehension because they know Saquon better than any other team in the league. So I hope that this is a year that he goes crazy, he balls out. Is he still going to get a major contract from the Giants or anybody else? We'll see if anything changes with the running back market over the next 12 months or so. But either way, I can't wait to see Saquon back on the field. But all right, who do you think is facing a proven year this year? Again, it could be a coach, player, exec, whoever. Who do you think is facing a big 2023 season? I think, man, you might be in agreement 
with this, and it is the guy that plays quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and by that guy, I'm meaning that Prescott. Last year was was kind of rough. He led, he co-led the NFL and interceptions with Kirk Cousins. He and he had a lot of immense pressure. And I think this year. When you look at it from the standpoint of, in my opinion, this roster that they have this year is better than the one that they had last year from an overall complete, like a complete team standpoint. And if they aren't able to make it to whatever goals that they have, I can see them making a quarterback change. And also coming off the, off the heels of a day where apparently he threw three interceptions in practice, in practice two of them to Trayvon Diggs, it's not looking pretty. It's not looking pretty at all, especially because he, he gave everybody bulletin board material saying he wasn't going to throw ten picks this season. Like, why would you say that? It was so dumb. Um, Dak is, in terms of players, Dak is 100% who I would pick. But I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to say Eric Bieniemy. We talked about this like when there was talks about him potentially leaving Kansas City. And I told you then, I didn't think it made sense to leave. Especially because honestly, whenever Andy Reid retires, you have your shoe in the door to be the next head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. And as long as you got Patrick Mahomes there, that's going to be a great job. And then there was speculation that teams didn't really want to give a chance to him because they thought that he was a product of his weapons rather than his overall talent, which A is BS and B... It kind of, I think that played a big role in him going to a team like Washington, who has solid players in Terry McLaurin, um, Brian Robinson, obviously Antonio Gibson. Um, we saw some nice things for Jahan Dotson last year, Logan Thomas, when he could stay healthy. But it's, um, nobody would say that they were anywhere close to the weapons that he had in Kansas City. And so I think that, let's say the commander's offense sucks this year. Who's it going to fall back on? Eric Bieniemy. And then you're going to go from having one of the best offensive coordinator jobs in recent memory to being on a team that is struggling and you're going to get blamed for it. And then it's going to make it even harder for you to get a head coaching job because now people think you really were just a product of your weapon. So I think that the commanders have a bad year offensively. It's going to blow back on him more than anybody else, which sucks for him, but he did take that chance. But what player do you think is going to break out this year? A player that I think is going to break out, um, I'm going to go with Nicobe Dean. I think that, again, he's stepping into the starting linebacker position for the Eagles. And when you look at it from this standpoint, you have a lot of things that are that can put him in position. One, you look at that front, you look at that front line of, again, the Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis, um, Jalen Carter, like, those are dudes that are going to eat up blocks. And that means Nakobe Dean will have free room to run around and make plays in the backfield and all around the field. And I think that he will, he's going to be the guy that makes those plays. I think this is the first time we've agreed. I also have Nakobe Dean. Everybody, if y'all listen to draft coverage leading up to last year, y'all know I was a fangirl for some N'Kobe Dean. Middle linebacker is my favorite position, and N'Kobe Dean played it in a great, great way. And I think that, like you mentioned, I mean, he's going to have a lot of holes 
um, looking at those big D linemen right up in front of him, similar to what he had in Georgia. And I think that's going to lead to a lot of production. I hope he's able to stay healthy so he can make the most of it. I mean, because even with guys like Miles Jack and Zach Cunningham coming to the fold, I think that's just more so death pieces. I think no doubt N'Kobe Dean is going to be their starter. I think he's going to have a really, really big year. Um, all right, who is your rookie of the year? Who do you think stands out? It's... It's a tie, um, but it's basically the same position. Jalen Carter for the Eagles or Mozzie Smith for the Cowboys. I think that those two guys are going to make big impacts on the defensive line. I think Mozzie Smith might make a slightly bigger impact because Jalen Carter is going to be, again, competing with the rotation of Fletcher Cox, a proven veteran. Jordan Davis, who has a year up on him and Sean, when he was able to be on the field um, with Sean, he was a productive player. But I think that Mozzie Smith is the is the piece that the Cowboys missed on that front segment last year from a run-stopping standpoint. I think he's going to make a big impact. Um, you know what, I've, I guess you could say I've been kind of ragging on the Giants a little bit. So, I'm going to throw him a bone. But I also legitimately mean this. I'm going to go cornerback Deontay Banks. He was a guy who, leaning up to the draft, I was a really, really big fan of. If Baltimore wasn't going the wide receiver route, I wanted him out of Maryland. And, I mean, you look at that secondary, and it was fine, but they really just did not have a guy. Adore Jackson, for the past couple of years, have been their number one corner. And we've seen him get burned really bad and other times when he looks okay. But I think that with having a guy like Deontay Banks, he can take over the reins and really, really help give them an infusion of life in that secondary. Because, again, kind of like what I was saying with uh, Kader Kaho, like they're going to be seeing, and Christian Gallas, it's going to be a lot of top-name receivers that they got to see. Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb. you got to have a corner who can go up against them. I think that it'll be a – a process to get him there but I think that at the end of the day um, Deontay Banks is going to get there and prove to be a really really good pick but all right, who? what is your bold prediction for the NFC East my bold prediction is that Jalen Hurts is going to lead the NFL in passing touchdowns I can see that. I can definitely see that. Um, my poll prediction is about the Giants. And I'm going to say with their season looking shaky near the midseason mark, I genuinely think that the Giants are going to end up trading Saquon Barkley. It's become abundantly clear they're not going to pay him. If they were going to pay him, they would have paid him by now, or at least it's the sense of giving him a long-term contract. And, I mean, we've seen it time and time again. I mean, nobody wants to lose one of their best players for free. And, I mean, they could potentially franchise tag him and then just have a repeat of all the drama that we just saw this past year. And so I think that if the Giants are struggling by around, what, week eight when the trade deadline is, I could see them moving on from Saquon and just kind of starting fresh and using that draft pick to find their next running back of the future and then ride him for the next four or five years and then continue that process overall. But, all right, who do you think wins the division? I think we'll probably be in agreement. I have the Eagles. I do, too. Even though, like I said, I think the Cowboys are going to be very competitive. I think that it is still Philly's division. But, all right, let's go ahead and play our game of believable or buffoonery. And let's start off with some Hall of Famers. Those of you who don't know, last uh, this past weekend, 
This year's class of Hall of Fame inductees were enshrined into Canton. Congratulations to all of them. Not going to go through the whole list. But one player of note is offensive tackle Joe Thomas, who was considered the best left tackle of this generation. And everybody knew it, including Peyton Manning. Uh, reportedly, Peyton Manning wanted Joe Thomas to join him in Denver back in 2015 to be the team's top O-lineman. Apparently, Peyton was so serious about this that he had tried to convince Thomas to pretty much throw a fit in the general manager's office and demand a trade. He said, Joe, I think you should go up to the GM's office and make a stink. Literally, I want you to go up there, pull your pants down, and make a stink on his desk. Obviously, Joe Thomas wasn't going to do that and did not do that, but I know that he's still a Hall of Famer. I know that he's still considered one of the greatest, but believable or buffoonery, Joe Thomas made a mistake not forcing a trade to Denver back in 2015. Oh, uh, yeah, because if he did, he probably would have had at least one Super Bowl. Yeah, that's the year they won a Super Bowl. He would have at least got one Super Bowl out of it. So, yeah, I, I call it believable as well. I mean, shout out to loyalty, but it's like the Browns were so, so terrible. And, like, realistically, how many teams out there can you say their best player is their left tackle? Like in today's uh, NFL. Honestly, I can't – maybe the Texans – yeah. And it's like, but again, they've been a bad team. So I, I kind of wish he would have went to Denver and got him a ring, but it's all good. All right, let's go ahead and move on. So as the NFL does every year on the NFL Network, they do a player rankings of the top 100 players of that respective season. And this, what was it, Monday, the top 10 dropped. And here is how it shook out. Chris Jones got 10. Michael Parsons got 9. Uh, Josh Allen got 8. Tyreek Hill, 7, Joe Burrow, 6, T Travis Kelsey, 5, Nick Bosa, 4, Jalen Hurts, 3, Jay Jettas, 2, and Patrick Mahomes, 1. There have been a lot of ratings coming out over the summer because, I mean, there's nothing else to do with the NFL players. But this one has some credibility. So, believable or buffoonery, the NFL got it right with this year's top 10 players of 2023 list. Uh trying to remember. You said, can you list the top 10 one more time? I got you. I'm going to go 1 through 10. 1, Patrick Mahomes. 2, Jay Jettis. 3, Jalen Hurts. 4, Nick Bosa. 5, Travis Kelsey. 6, Joe Burrow. 7, Tyree Kill. 8, Josh Allen. 9, Michael Parsons. 10, Chris Jones. Yeah, I actually agree. Like, I don't... I don't see any... Um, yeah, I don't see anything wrong with the base stadium. Honestly, I don't either. Like, I'm possibly could maybe make an argument or so about like where certain players were put, but in terms of like the ten best, yeah, I got no beef with it, and that's that's pretty rare. So props to the players. Every I'm not gonna lie, the other ninety picks, I got some questions, but that one, I can live with that. Um, all right, let's go ahead and move on to we talked about the draft a little bit but the nfl has uh announced that they're planning on modifying the personal conduct policy which grants them the ability to investigate and take disciplinary actions against all prospects essentially that's saying that instead of them just being able to suspend or give punishments out to current NFL players, players who are looking to come into the draft can be subject to punishments as well some incidents would have included joe mixon's case um 
Joe Mixon's case kind of similar to what Jalen Carter did would fall under a specific category. Joe Mixon, before he got drafted, punched a girl in the face. Um, this altercation, um, this, I'm sorry, this alteration could potentially impact the way teams approach drafting prospects moving forward. Um, I mean, and to be fair, we've seen some teams kind of take a chance on those questionably charactered players because they have a lot of talent. But if they could face a suspension, that might change some things. So, believable or buffoonery, the NFL is right to have a personal conduct policy extend to draft prospects. Uh, I think so, just because, like, if you're coming into the NFL with character issues, something has to be done about it. I agree, because I think it helps to set a precedent that, like, hey, we're in, in college, you can kind of get away with certain stuff, but you can't get away with that in the NFL, especially because you're making millions of dollars. We have a reputation to uphold, and, and we're not going to let that slide. But I, like I said, I would be interested to see how it affects certain teams. Like, you look at the Cowboys and the Chiefs. They've been teams that have kind of been willing to pull the trigger on guys like that because they expect to get, like, high rewards. And sometimes they have. So that'll be interesting to see if they will kind of stray away from guys because of that or if they're like, screw it, we'll take the suspension and then just work your way back in throughout your rookie year. But all right, last question, and it revolves around my main man, Joe Burrow. So those of you who don't know, last week he suffered a calf strain. And though he's expected to be able to play week one of the season against the Cleveland Browns, his teammate and good friend Jamar Chase really told him don't push it in terms of making a return. He said, I told him in all honesty, I don't want him there. You don't want to cause problems later in the season. As long as you're there after week five and on, we're good, brother. That is, it's one thing to say maybe miss the first couple of seasons, but to miss the first month of the season is very interesting. So, believable or buffoonery, Joe Burrow should sit out the first month of the season to make sure he's healed up properly. In order for me to answer this properly, I have to look at the first four games. So they start the season off, like I mentioned, against Cleveland. Then they got Baltimore, they got Rams. And then they have uh, Titans. So they got two against Cleveland. No, no, no. Uh, they got one against Cleveland, uh, Baltimore, Rams, Titans. Yeah, no. he he have to play because out of those four games, I can without him, I can only see them maybe winning one. Yeah. So, nah. And, like, don't get me wrong. The Ravens fan in me is like, look, if Joe don't want to play us week two, but realistically, nah. Mm -mm. No shot. No, ma'am. But I I respect Jamar Chase for looking out for his boy. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA, and let's talk some roster moves. Today it was announced that the Knicks and guard Josh Hart have agreed to a four-year, $81 million contract extension. This gives Hart a total of 94 mil uh, through the 2027-2028 season. Good move by the Knicks. I like Josh Hart a lot. And speaking of other things, I like my Los Angeles Lakers. That I phrased that wrong. Makes it seem like I like this deal, but whatever. They gave a star Anthony Davis a three-year, hundred and eighty-six million dollar extension, tying him with the franchise through twenty twenty-eight, where he's expected to make over two hundred and seventy million dollars. He is going to be getting the richest annual extension in the NBA, worth sixty-two mil a year. We've talked about this a lot, but. 
do you think that this big extension kind of ties him to the team to where not that he has to be the face of the uh, franchise once LeBron is gone, but this contract encourages that, hey, this is what we're leaning towards doing? What I think this means is that once LeBron is gone, that's their way of saying that, the, like, at least for the time being, that's their way of saying, like, we're not going into a full rebuild and making the Lakers more attractive to another free agent potentially joining. Because regardless of injury issues or not, when Anthony Davis is on the court, he's a top, a top talent. Like, he can literally, when he's on, and when he's playing to his full potential, you can honestly say Anthony Davis is a top five talent in the NBA. Um, and so when you look at it from a standpoint of trying to bring people to the Lakers, I think, especially in today's NBA, you're going to want to have a guy of that caliber already on your team to then bring in someone else. It's... In that retrospect, I'm not mad at it. I mean, I'll say this. It's better to have, like, a plan in place. But by 2027, how old is AD now? Let me look this up. Anthony Davis in four years is going to be 34. Which, I mean, isn't technic- isn't really old. Because, I mean, NBA players, we've seen some of them play forever. But also, like you mentioned, injuries have been a big problem for him, and I don't expect them to all of a sudden get better as he gets older. And so you mentioned this could be a way to kind of bring in free agents, but it's like, what if AD isn't that player anymore? Because I think you and I will both agree he's benefited a lot from playing with LeBron James and that kind of opening things up for him offensively because teams can't just hone in on him anymore like they did in New Orleans. And so I, my worry is... We're giving AD all this money, which obviously in a few years is not going to matter. But when if he's expected to be the guy and the only guy, can you trust him to do that? And we've talked about this. I don't think I do. And so I wouldn't be shocked if LA tries to make another move to bring somebody in. But with this type of money, it does. I think it does kind of give the impression that, hey, this is your team. And so it wouldn't totally shock me if, if, let's say, LeBron retires or he goes to play with Bronny, whatever the case may be. I would not totally be shocked if, like, they bring somebody in who is good but not exactly better than AD just to continue to give him, like, the confidence that, hey, you are our best player. That's what this deal feels like to me. Oh, yeah. So when I say bringing in a free agent, I'm not saying trying to get – it can go one or two ways. If Anthony Davis still shows that he can still play to that level of caliber at that point, then it'll be bringing in a guy that can compliment him. Or if he's shown to take a decline, having him there could bring in a guy that is better than him because he'll be there. So I think he can serve multiple purposes by just having him there. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I mean – at this point, because, I mean, I don't know what we're going to do when LeBron leaves. It makes sense to keep AD around, but I've told you this before, and I've said it on the show before, I don't want him to be our only option. That's my biggest fear. 
But uh, let's go ahead and move on. We talked about this at the top of the show, but earlier today, 2K released its top 10 highest rated players in the upcoming game. And here's how the list shakes out. Nikola Jokic is a 98. Bron Bron is a 96. Giannis Antetokounmpo is a 96. Joel Embiid is also a 96. KD is a 96. Uh, Steph Curry is a 96. Jason Tatum is a 95. Jimmy Butler is a 95, Luka's a 95, Devin Booker's a 94, and I also believe that uh, Damian Lillard is a 94. So looking at this top 10, do you think that these ratings are correct? Um, I think, I honestly, just looking at it, I wouldn't have KD as a 96. I would have him, because he's taking a decline, I would have him at like a 95-94. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I'm trying to think who else was on the list. I mean, maybe I think I would probably have KD at a 95 because I don't. I think he's still better than Devin Booker, so I would have him higher than him. Controversial opinion, I don't know if I would have LeBron as a 96. Don't fight me. Um, I think he could be a 95 or a 94 too. Um, also, I love him, but I don't think Jimmy deserves to get 95. I don't think so either. Like, he could be a strong 93. Jason Tatum, I don't know if I have him as a 95 either. He should be in the 90s, but 95 feels kind of high. But yeah, I think those would be the biggest changes I'd make. Nothing too, too crazy. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on. Uh, we talked about Steph as one of the highest-rated players in the game. And, I mean, he also boasts some of the most championships in NBA history. And in a recent interview uh, with Big Boy TV, he was asked if he could give up one of his championship rings, who would he give them to? And he replied, I would pick Steve Nash and Reggie Miller, which got me to thinking about the other great players throughout the NBA history who have never won a ring. So, Ethan... Let's get in our time machine and change some things. So, which current and retired NBA player would you give a ring to if you could? Okay, Karen Russ. Um, retired. It's tough. Uh, a part of me wants to say Charles Barkley just so. Uh, People can look at him differently, but I'm not going to do that. Retired, I am going to say Penny Hardaway. That's a good pick. Um, Current player, I'm happy you said Russ because I was debating Russ, but I think no matter what, his legacy is kind of solidified. I'm going to say Jimmy Butler. As y'all also know, I'm a big fan of Jimmy Butler. I love me some Jimmy Butler. And I don't know if he's ever going to win a ring despite his best efforts like excluding this year's finals it seems like when he is in the playoffs he turns into a totally different player and pretty much carries uh the heat where they need to be and i think it this sounds bad but it's kind of like an e for effort type deal and so i would love to get see him get a ring for that effort and then retired i'm gonna go with all-time great elgin baylor 
rest in peace. Um, he's just did so much for the Lakers organization and played such a pivotal role in getting the team to where it is historically now. And I think that it's kind of crazy to think that of all the Lakers legends and all the championships that that franchise has won, he has not won him won one himself. So I think that he will be a great one to get one to. And also it would kind of push us further away from the Celtics, which isn't totally why I said that, but it's fair. And uh, last but not least, I don't really know if this is a believable or buffoonery, but this is an interesting question. So Paul George recently on his podcast said that he is going to be back on his bully shit this season. That's a bold thing to say for somebody who has not played more than like 75 games in a minute, but I guess we could make it a believable or buffoonery. Paul George will be a top 15 player this year. If he can stay healthy, I can, I'll say believable. But I'm going to say buffoonery because I don't think he'll play enough games. I don't think so either. And it's like, because I think, I don't know if you saw this, but apparently like in a recent interview, Ty Lue said he already told Paul George and um, Kawhi Leonard that this year they were going to take the regular season seriously. And it's like, one, why would you tell people that out loud? Because that just furthers people's upset and credence to not liking load management. And two, it should already be serious. So... But, I mean, when they're both healthy, they're great. It's just the issue of getting them healthy. So, I hope both of them can play. But I'm with you. I'm going to call buffoonery because I just don't really see it happening. But, all right, before we get into our more in-depth SummerSlam recap, let's talk a little bit of preseason football. Last week, it was just the Jets and Browns playing. This week, everybody is getting in on the action. And so, I'm sure it's a million and one different storylines that we can follow. So, Ethan, in looking at the preseason schedule for this week, which game are you most intrigued by? Um, the obvious is the rookies. So, the um, Texans and the Patriots with C.J. Stroud. The Panthers versus the... The um, Panthers got... Um, oh, my gosh. I'm looking at it and I can't find them. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, you're good. Uh, they got Jets. Um, I also would probably say, um, just looking at it, uh, I would say also the, where, I just saw the team. I would say the Jags and the Cowboys. I don't know if um, Calvin really is going to play any, but just to see what he will, if he does play, to see what he would look like um, his first, like, actual game action. And I also would say another rookie, the um, if he plays, is B. John Robinson versus the Dolphins. I would assume he'd play. I mean, I'd hope so. He might not play a lot, but. I mean, the way that, they, the way that they're talking about him and treating him, they're already acting like he's a proven veteran. So I mean, oh, that's on the outside, but on the depth chart, even though it doesn't really totally mean anything, he's listed as their third running back. So yeah. there ain't no way if you listed as number three running back, you ain't gonna play in the preseason. You gonna see some action. Um, yeah. for me, I'm going to go probably number one would be Broncos versus Cardinals. That's Friday night because Sean Payton already said that we gonna see some of the starters. Which means I'm going to see my brother-in-law, which congratulations to him and my sister. They have another baby. That's so beautiful. We love love. But realistically, like, I want to actually see how this new look offense looks. Like, everybody's expecting Sean Payne's there. I mean, they used the first-round pick to get him there. 
They're expecting that he's going to be able to help reconfigure this offense, make it look good, and obviously it's going to be a very small sample size, but I want to see how it looks. I want to see how Russ looks, how the chemistry with the receivers are looking, this new offensive line. I want to see it all in motion. Um, another preseason game I'm looking forward to is Vikings versus um, Seahawks because I want to see how Jordan Addison looks and Jackson, Smith, and Jigba look. Um, a lot of talk has been made of JSN with what he's been able to do in training camp so far with Seattle. I want to see that in a game-like situation. Plus, I want to see how the Vikings cornerbacks look because, as y'all know, I do not have much faith in that secondary. And then vice versa with Jordan Addison. I mean, everybody knows this is Jay Jettis' team. I want to see if Jordan Addison can be a really good number two and do so against an intriguing uh, Seahawks secondary that has Tariq Woolen, Kobe Bryant, obviously Devon Witherspoon, who they just drafted. So, I'm excited. I'm very excited for this week's slate of preseason games. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to SummerSlam. All right, and now to talk SummerSlam. Of course, we Ooh. are joined by my embryo, my embryo, my embryo bro, Hello. Chris Hello. Waters. Hello. How you doing? Hello. Thank you for I messed it up already. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, it's okay. I have a hard time speaking English all the time. Yeah, right? Just, just I still haven't got the hang of it yet. I mean, hello, been here. Well, to be fair, you've still been in your mom's womb for what? 25 years now? This is what I stopped it. So every like, time you hear words, it's a little bit muffled. So I get it. Yeah, I don't listen to her. I spent five years in Italy. I had to speak Italian for a while. So now I'm trying to get back into speaking English. Pretty Ooh, like you, break. again, you just lie to lie. Where did Italy so even come from? <laughs> So you tell me I didn't take Italian? I know you didn't spend five years in Italy. So you know me my whole life. When you go to Italy, Embryo? When did you meet me? When did you go to when did you no, go no, to Italy? No, when did you meet me? When did you meet me? I met you. What age? Well, you were in your mom's womb by that point. Oh my god! I remember how many years ago did I meet you? I had just moved out of the the creature from hell apartment, so that was twenty twenty. Exactly, and I was in Italy uh, when I was fifteen. Came back when I was twenty. Yep. You're a liar, though, because <laughs> you were definitely working. And that time, you told me how you was uh, shooting and filming basketball games, and then you told me how you worked at Graceland for a little minute. Minute, you're not slick. No, I don't know. I don't know. You not slick. You, you, you got me confused with another uh, black, young, gifted man. You mean young, gifted, and black man? Hey, hey, you knew what I meant. Did I? It's okay. Yeah. Hey, we all need yeah. a little more of a Nina Simone education. Okay, but that's not what we're here about, you and your yeah, Italian lies. We're not here to talk about my history. We're not here to talk about Ma my history. Matter of fact, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Just, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not being a good friend. You said you spent five years in Italy. What city were you in? Don't worry about that. We're here to talk okay. about SummerSlam yeah. and how great it was Saturday night. Mm. And that's what we're here to talk about. So this is what we're gonna. This is what we're gonna talk about. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk yeah. about SummerSlam. And let's as we do about. with every uh, pot, well not podcast, but every uh, pay per view, let's go ahead and look at the card and recap what happened. Starting with Logan Paul hits Ricochet with the brass knucks to get the win. Um, after nearly being counted out three times, Cody Rhodes proves that he just won't die and beats Brock Lesnar, ending 
what was a pretty random but interesting feud. Um, hey, look, LA Knight finally won a pay-per-view match. He wins the pointless Whoa. SummerSlam Battle Royal that honestly didn't need to be on the card. Um, Shayna and Ratface kick each other's ass, but Shayna still goes ahead, sends Ronda, pack it from WWE after putting her to sleep. Uh, Gunther's reign ain't over yet as he holds on to retain against Drew McIntyre. Uh, Finn Balor just can't scratch that seven-year itch if you know the movie. We just became best friends. Um, and falls to Seth Rollins for a third straight time. Uh, Bianca Belair makes us all look like dummies by winning the triple threat, but it's EO Sky who ends the night as champion. And Roman Reigns remains our tribal chief. But I'm not going to lie to you. I do kind of feel like I jinxed something a little bit. But we'll get to that in a second. Because you know what? With Roman's yeah. win, that's a lot solidified me back at the head of the extra poor table because I yes, won SummerSlam. Oh, congratulations. Look, I have nothing bad to say. You called it. Mm. Hey, congratulations. I'm, I'm proud of it. Thank you, thank you. I went 7-1. and one. Ethan came in second place going 6-2. and two. And then Embryo, you went 5-3. and three. So let's go ahead and start off with the positives. What was your favorite match of the night? Ooh, favorite match, favorite match. You know, going in, I would have thought I would have said Drew versus Gunther, but it was not. You know, I'm gonna go with a sweeper. I really enjoyed the first match, Ricochet versus Logan Paul. I, I, it was way better than I thought it was gonna be. Okay. It, um, I really enjoyed it, and I, it's, I know it's probably surprising saying that, but I'm gonna go Logan versus Ricochet. It was a real good match, and I didn't know how it was gonna end for a second, but I'm gonna go that. That's my favorite match of the night. That's an interesting one. Um, mine was Finn versus Seth Rollins. I mean, they're two of the best in-ring performers the WWE has to offer, so I wasn't shocked that it was a good match. But I think, in my opinion, this match blows their last two matches out of the water. Like, yeah. this match was great between them, and then there was so many near falls. There were so many moments. I was like, dang, Finn is actually about to win. The judgment Day comes in. I think everything was so well-paced. You see the callback with Seth wearing the same gear he wore in their SummerSlam match seven years ago. Uh, Finn has seven written out on his shoulder that got hurt from that match. I mean, Chef's Kids, great match. But speaking of matches that, like, I was pleasantly surprised by, I really like Cody versus Brock. I had a fun time with that match. And, like, the first two matches really didn't do too much for me, but that last one was really good. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, out of the three, this was the best one. Um, it started off slow because he beat the crap out of Cody at the beginning. And Cody just kept getting back up. And uh, it, once he got, like, going fully, yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. Definitely the best one out of the three. All right, now, what was your favorite moment of the night? Favorite moment? Uh, I'm going to have to say I was uh, happy for it. Well, really, too, because uh, I was happy Bianca won. But uh, I want to say, really, EO cashing in successfully and getting the championship. I want to say that probably was my favorite moment of the night. Because um didn't expect Bianca to win, but when I was, once I saw her win, I kind of knew, hey, she's hurt. EO might come out at once. EO actually cashed in and won because I didn't, um, I didn't really have EO cashing in. Um, yeah, uh, that was my favorite moment, EO. My favorite moment was Jimmy costing Jay the match, which goes into why I feel like I jinxed it. I don't remember what – I think seeing that interview where Jay mentioned that him and Jimmy, like, wanted a feud, like, nobody had mentioned it. Nobody had, like, talked at length about it. But it did, like, put in my head, 
what if Jimmy actually did cause Jay and that's what happened? And so it was shocking. I'm very interested to see where it goes. Cause like I told you, I don't think it's gonna have anything to do with the bloodline. I think it's just gonna be brother versus brother. And Roman's gonna kind of like let them do their own thing while him and Solo and whoever the hell else come um, and try to take the title from him. But in the mean in between time, I am just very excited to see where this goes just because I mean, the matches are going to be bangers. I'm excited to see Jay's, I mean, Jimmy's explanation, Jay's reaction. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think you was the one that told me because I, I, I didn't know about it. I, I, I remember you, like, telling me uh, they they dreamed us uh, to fight at WrestleMania. Now, my question is, should they have held off a little bit longer because WrestleMania is, like, what, seven, eight months away? So, no. Well, yes, that's how many months away it is, but I'm going to say no, because when was Jay going to have another chance at the title? No, I agree, but I'm just saying, you know, I know that they dream is to have a match at WrestleMania, but how long is this feud going to stretch? That'll, that'll be my question, but uh, and it's not my problem. I'm not part of the right team. I, <laughs> I think but, they can uh, make it, shape. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm interested in seeing it. It's kind of like me wanting to see the New Day fight each other. Which mm-hmm. I have never seen. So, but uh, I would love to see the Usos fight each other. Yeah, I can't wait to see that because that's something I always want to see. I think it'll be interesting. I wouldn't be shocked if like Jay takes some time off, and like they book it as like he really had to process what actually happened to him, and then Jay, Jimmy kind of goes on a tear of his own and like really, <clears throat> really gets his heel moniker up. I can see them doing something along those lines, but. We shall that see. It'll, it'll be that sounds fun. Good, actually. That sounds good. I like your idea. See, I'm telling you, Triple H, Vince, hire us, please. Don't listen to any of the things that may have sound bad about you. We didn't say that. That's AI. You know? Yeah, that's AI. AI-generated comments. Right, Embryo? Right. She's absolutely right. Yeah, you you need to start saying that more often. All right, now let's talk to <laughs> increase and decrease their stock. Let's start with who increased their stock at SummerSlam. Increased. Who increased? All the matches was good. Uh, I don't know. I'm a, you know I'm gonna go with Eo. I she was already Mrs. Money in the Bank, and now she's the champion. I'm going to say she increased her stock leaving out of SummerSlam. Yes, I agree with you about EO because, I mean, when you cash in for a title, I mean, it's hard not to be, you know, especially in doing so in a way that people are, everybody's just happy to see. Even me, even though, because, you know, I love me some Bianca Belair, I would love to see her as champion, but it's like, it's EO's time now. So it made sense. All right, who decreased their stock? Huh, decrease. I'm at to go with. Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go either Ronda Rousey or Shayna Baszler, because that match didn't fit. First in a regular ring, it should have been in the fight pit, and it just didn't hit everybody the right way. Like the crowd was not into it at all. Um, even though Shayna won, I still think they got a. I'm gonna say Ronda, but. None of them came out perfect. I mean, the right person won, but the the fans and a lot of people just was not into that match. I mean, all I care about is the fact that Ronda's gone. Like, I didn't give it. Yeah. I really didn't give a damn. Like, what else happened in that match? As long as she's gone, don't care. Um, but I'm gonna say loyalty 
Because, like, I didn't really have a specific wrestler who lost stock. Yeah. Because, I mean, the Usos, I'm not, as y'all all know, I love me some Usos. I love the Bloodline. But even before the Bloodline, the Usos were my favorite tag team. And I would say my all-time favorite tag team, period. So my heart's a little broken about them breaking up, even though I'm excited to see what comes of it. Um, and so it's like, tag team loyalty just does not exist. Like, at the if the <laughs> Usos can break up, who's hey, next? The dude they can break up, break up. The dude they can break up, they, if the Usos break up. I mean... I'm, I almost said something. Well, screw it. I'm going to say it anyway. Because, I mean, at least with Kofi and Xavier, they got to get in a ring to break up. H- how long has Kofi been hurt? Well, Kofi's been down a couple months. I forgot what the reason was. I thought it was. You know, I know it's longer than not, a couple of months. It might be over a year, but the Big E probably will never wrestle again. Which, sadly. that sucks. Uh, yeah, that sucks. That definitely sucks. Uh, but, I mean, they could, they could at least let Xavier do something. He's, he's I like him in the ring. He's not bad. Yeah, Xavier hasn't done anything since, like, matter of fact, I know for a fact, he hasn't done anything since 2K23 came out because he had that little weird little thing with L.A. Knight about him playing video games. That was the last time I remember seeing uh, Xavier Woods on my TV. And I thought it was going to do something, because remember he had that, I don't really want to call it a feud, a mini stint with Roman, because he was, because remember Xavier was king of the ring. Yeah, that went nowhere. Roman smashed that crown and went on about his business. He and like Roman Ward at the end of the match, he didn't grab it no more after that. But I was saying that that many little like him and the Roman's one on one match was pretty good. Yeah. I enjoyed it. And if you want to be really technical, he was the first one to beat Roman in a while because Roman got what disqualified. <laughs> yeah, nobody's like, gonna count that. One. Nobody like they never did nothing with him. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, I, I feel bad for Xavier, but at the same time, I guess he's just. Get them checks, you know. Get them checks, boys. Hey, up, up, down, down, gonna get you some money regardless. So, yep, yep, you're right. Um, all right, let's move on to the one booking decision you would have done differently. I think I already hit it. I'm gonna say it again. I would definitely put Shayna Baszler and uh, Ronda Rousey's match in the fight pit. We talked about it. If you're gonna do an MMA rules, you might well bring out the fight pit. And if that was too much to do, you could have put it in a steel cage. Just having it in a regular ring, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. People probably still wasn't going to feel it. I mean, if they want to go see a UFC fight, they'll go to a, a UFC event. You People got that right. WWE, they want to see something different. But if you're going to go all in on something like that, go all in. You should have had a steel cage or a fight pit. That's what I would have did differently. Now, we're in agreement with the match. Honestly, I just would have took it off of um, SummerSlam's card yeah. and like either replaced it with Rhea and Raquel, which is going to be a banger, or Trish and Becky, which is going to be a good match, too. Um, just yeah. be- just because it's like, don't get me wrong, there were a couple of moments in that match where I was like, dang, like when um, Shayna hit Ronda with that roundhouse kick upside her head, uh, yeah. and then yeah. when um, the jumping knee from Ronda that busted open uh, Shayna's face, that was yeah. great. But other than that, it was very forgettable. Yeah. And... It, it did not live up to the expectations because, as y'all know, typically whenever anything Ronda Rousey is on my TV screen or laptop, whatever, I mute the screen. But, like, from what I heard, the little vignettes they were doing was good. It was. It was good. And, like I say, it just – Jared, when you're in, uh, I'm going to add with it, but, like, WWE is – people want to see that type of style of wrestling. You come to see wrestling. You're not here to see an MMA fight. If you want to see an MMA fight, you'll go watch it. Right. The UFC. Um, and I'm feeling, I'm like you, uh, are they on SmackDown or are they on Raw? They're on Raw. 
I mean, you could have easily did a fight pit or a steel cage on Raw. I'm, I'm with you with that. Then you could have put Rhea versus uh, Raquel. And then I'm still like you, like they did for WrestleMania, they could have put that Royal Rumble on Friday Night SmackDown. I said Royal Rumble. But you know what I mean. You did better Royal. I got you. I got you. They, they could have put that on SmackDown and had LA Knight win. And you could have put Becky versus Trish. Now, then you could have easily did it like that. Yeah, especially because like I know I now understand why Logan Paul and Ricochet went first because Logan wanted to be in Texas. I think they were in Dallas like for his yep. brother. And so that makes total sense. But it's like realistically that no, battle royal should have went first that or it should have been on a pre-show. That was in Detroit. No, the uh, bat. No, I'm talking about the his oh, brother's uh, fight. His, his, his brother fight. Yeah. Uh, they haven't put matches on the pre-show in a long time. So. Which is fine with me because, you know, sometimes, like, when I'm getting ready to watch the show, if I know I got, like, 30, 45 minutes, I try to cook something up so I can sit down and watch. But uh, I heard Brock wanted to go on first. <laughs> I bet he did. He wanted to get in and get out. He got stuff to but, do. Uh, I, I heard Brock wanted to go first, but they was like, no, I've got to get Logan out of here, so who knows how Brock felt about that. They were the second match. Yeah, but uh, did be the first time in a long time. Brock was like, "What? You're not gonna take my side?" <laughs> I mean, look, we've seen Brock throw temper tantrums before, and that mother lover is getting banked. He's okay. Hey, WrestleMania, when he found out he was gonna be the last match, he was like, "We gonna go first. <laughs> and you know, I hey, look, the sooner I get in there, the sooner I can leave. I get it. Yeah, Brock is definitely not staying around watching other matches. Why would I? I don't. I, I got my check. I know they said John Cena does that. Like, even if he wrestles first, whatever, he's still always stay behind and watch every match. You're talking about John Cena and Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I know, no, no, I'm just saying, no, I, yeah, I, no, you're right. I'm two completely different people. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I mean, like I said, I really enjoyed their match. So, like, honestly, Brock, and it's like we see what happens backstage anyway. I don't care what Brock does after his match. You can go and do what you want to do. Yeah, that's facts. That's facts. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to our biggest WTF moment. It, we might have the same one. Oh, definitely. Uh, well, well, it, it's, it's easy. it could easily be two. Yeah, um, I feel like it's one of two things. Because it really wasn't that many, like, major I'm, surprises. I'm going to say Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Only because uh, you, you definitely called it, but I, I didn't. Um, and I didn't expect Jimmy to come, so I was like, what would be the reason? Like, he's doing this for Jimmy. I could probably guess the reason now. But uh, definitely Jimmy. And if you don't pick Jimmy, I definitely kind of know which one you're going to go with. 100% Bianca Belair. Billion percent. <laughs> billion percent. Because like I said, none of us pick Bianca. And no. this is nothing against Bianca Belair. If, as if y'all didn't already know, I am the biggest EST fan up in here. I love she Bianca is. Belair. I think she's amazing. And honestly, when it's all said and done, her and Charlotte going to have a real argument as like who's higher on my all-time favorite wrestlers list. But right now it's still Charlotte. <laughs> but even still, I love me some Bianca Belair. That woman can do no wrong to me. But I just didn't think she was going to win because I was 99.9% sure EO Sky was going to cash in. Sounds like they wouldn't put it on Bianca, but like how they did it with her having the knee injury, which she sold the hell out of, by the way. Shout out to Shawn Michaels. He had to teach, taught her that. Um, (laughs) It made total sense as to why. But like, kid you not, I'm at work. I'm trying to like finish up uh, taking some notes, trying to get some stories for the upcoming week. And then Bianca come in like... And then she ends up winning. I almost screamed. 
I was so excited and so happy for her. And, like, happy for EL, too, but, like, obviously more excited for Bianca because she is the ESC. She's my girl. So that was the biggest hey. WTF moment for me. So I know. You still got that shirt I got you for? Of course you know, I do. Christmas? You still be wearing it? Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. You kept it in good condition. I'm proud. Depending on what ha- what the card is for Fastlane, I'm 100% going to wear it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure she'll be on there. She better. Hey, hey, hey. They might have the Charlotte and uh, Bianca feud might still be going on. I feel like they would have it, but it's not going to end clean. Like, I feel like the Big Bang ain't going to be till either Rumble or WrestleMania. Probably Rumble. I don't because WrestleMania, I feel like they really want to do Becca versus Rhea. I mean, Rhea versus... Um, Bianca, I think, or it might be Rhea versus. Uh, I think it's gonna be Rhea, be Rhea versus, Becky. versus Becky. Yeah, it could. Uh, but I just feel like they, they're holding it off too long. It's like sometimes you need to do it when you got it. I get holding it off sometimes because even though you don't like Ronda, a lot of people want to see Ronda versus Becky again. And you, now you see Ronda's gone, which nobody's crying. I'm just saying that was something WWE was banking on to do one day. And I'm just saying, you know, because of injuries and stuff like that. Come on, go ahead, just give us what we want to see. It'll be a good match. Um, Rhea versus Becky. I'm not saying it wouldn't. But I want to see Rhea versus Bianca. That's what I want to I see. I would pay a great amount of money to see it. I thought after Rhea won at the one Royal Rumble, I thought she was going to face Bianca because they low-key have been teasing it. And even though I still say that Rhea versus Charlotte was the best women's match of the year, and I will argue that point down, yeah. I would still rather have seen her and Bianca. And this is another disrespect to Oscar because Oscar and Bianca put on a banger at Rumble. I mean WrestleMania too, but Rhea versus Bianca, we haven't seen them go one on one since NXT. Ooh. It is what I'm saying. This is about they be putting people on different brands. I'm like, come on. Yeah, we'll get to that actually in a second because I have a question about that. Oh, uh, but okay. yeah, overall, how would you grade SummerSlam? I give it a good A minus. Uh. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna go with an A minus because the it's a couple of things like I said. Well, and that's just me personally um, putting my personal feelings into it because I read I read I had uh, Finn win story wise. I really want to see him win, but he lost. Even though I still go out to Seth, I, I like Seth. Um, and Rhea versus I mean not Rhea. Um, Ron uh, Ratface versus Shayna. It just it just didn't hit. It just didn't hit. No. Uh, they tried something new, it just didn't work. Uh, yeah, and they, they could have replaced some stuff with different matches, you know what I mean? So, uh, I'm gonna go A minus. It still was a great show, definitely. If you haven't watched it, watch it. I, I know you watched it, just talking to the other people, but uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely worth the watch. It's not a failure. I, I enjoyed this SummerSlam, agreed. All right, so let's move on to some non SummerSlam stuff, or at least looking past, looking past SummerSlam to the future since. We know it's going to end up being Jimmy versus Jay. It leaves an open door for a new opponent for Roman Reigns. Now, you and I talked about it after SummerSlam off the air with regards to thinking that it's probably going to end up being him and Cody at Mania. But in the meantime, who do you think should be the next contender? That's a tough one because we got some couple months. I think Solo is going to creep in there sooner or later because in the match, Solo looked at him a little. And Solo's been like slowly challenging Roman just a little bit. And Roman was like, what's up? You finna do this right now? Exactly. So that's going to – I don't think it's about to happen right now. Between the seven, however long it is to WrestleMania, it's like seven, eight months. I I, I forgot. I had it at first. I forgot. Um, Solo's going to be one of them. But I can see them – 
letting Roman just take off for a while. Uh, not super You know, he'll just show up every now and then. Um, maybe Bobby some point in time. Maybe. Because because um, uh, I was late. I didn't even know the Street Profits had did that on SmackDown. Yeah, they I was did. Late. I was late. Because uh, uh, actually, I was watching that SmackDown and I went to the grocery store or something. I missed I the first there. hour. But yeah, so I like, missed I, that. So I saw the beginning of the match they did it in. But I left. And when I came back, of course, the match and everything was already over. So I didn't even know they did that. So they're building on that. So maybe Bobby between them eight months. But I would think they probably want to hold Bobby until the next challenger, maybe for Cody or something. But maybe Bobby. Um, I don't know. That's tough. Grumman didn't beat everybody. You know what I mean? He, he didn't pretty much beat everyone. Like maybe Sheamus because he hasn't. That could be interesting. One on one match with Sheamus. This whole third three year reign, he has not did a one on one match with Sheamus for the belt. Uh, and I thought he was going to do that. I thought he was leading towards that when they was doing the war games and all that. Um, so maybe really? Sheamus, you know, he has not. If, if no, I no, no. I mean, like, you thought that they were trying to book that? Well, I was thinking, like, after Kevin Owens, because they was all still on SmackDown. And he had already beat Drew at that point. And I was like, maybe Sheamus just trying to, you know, find him uh, opponents. But Sheamus was stuck with Gunther, which was a better choice. But I thought at some point he was going to fight Sheamus. Now, Uh, you want to know what I could see? What? Now, not only is October going to be the month that you're going to come visit me in Indianapolis and we're going to go to Fastlane, but it's also going to be the 25th celebration of Edge. So, what better way to kind of send Edge off than let him get one more crack at Roman to see if he can go out on top? Obviously, he's not going to win. But to do that in Toronto, in front of his friends, family, all that jazz, I think that would be a dope way to go. Because not only can you get Roman another championship match in for the next, in two months, but then, like, if Roman just is MIA for a little bit after that, you're like, well, he did just have a title match against Edge. I, yeah. I think that's, in short term, I think that's what I would do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can see that. Uh, one more with Edge. Yeah, one more with Edge. Um, you know, I, I don't see a lot of title matches coming right now. No. Nah, I, mean, I, I, I think he's going to be taking off until WrestleMania. Well, he's going to do a couple. Like, he'll be doing appearances and all that. Like, I think he, I would be. Maybe sh- The Rock. If The Rock come back. Stop, maybe, stop, stop, stop. Kill it with fire. I don't no. Want, listen, listen. I don't want it, but I'm just saying. Maybe if he, he did it. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time The Rock did a match at the Royal Rumble. He did it with CM Punk. So, I mean. That know, was 10 years ago, my love. What is If I had the choice, I'd tell Rock, hey, man, look, you had a great career. You're doing great as a movie star. Go ahead and retire, bro. There's no point to even come back the only, the only, I will take The Rock coming back if he did a tag team match That's I don't want him to come back, back at all <laughs> oh, yeah, me either but I'm just saying if he chose I want to do one more match brother it has to be a tag team I do not want to see you in the ring doing one on one I'm sorry do a, tag, do a tag match with somebody that can take the bump you go in you know punch a little bit people's elbow rock bottom goodbye you know you know it's just like that but uh I was just saying, you know, I don't want it to happen. I'm on your page. I mean, we on the same page with The Rock. I just wanted to make that clear. So, it's interesting. I saw um, earlier today that um, apparently uh, a w- an anonymous WWE source was asked 
uh, when Roman will lose the title, to which he responded, whatever Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman fucking say. And you know oh, what? Yeah, I heard it. I heard it. I could believe it. <laughs> Honestly, I I know there's people who aren't, let me not say not enjoying his reign, but like are ready for something different. AK, these are the people who thought Cody Rhodes should have won at WrestleMania, which I get where they're coming from. It's fair. But at the time that Roman lost, there were so many other storylines that could, that needed to carry on, AK, the bloodline upon him being champion that hindered on him being champion. So it didn't make sense for it to end then. Sami Zayn. It was a great story. They had a great match at Elimination Chamber. But did y'all actually think that he was going to beat Roman? No, uh, no, not, not at the place and time. It would have been wild. Um, I'm one of those people that thought Cody should have won. But to say that I haven't been enjoying myself, I, that would be a lot. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't, if I had another choice, okay, Chris, uh, he made it past WrestleMania when we want him to lose. I wouldn't wait all the way to WrestleMania. I would have chose either SummerSlam or Royal Rumble. Man. That's just me personally because now we're getting to the point and like you, we were getting to this because you just asked me who would be his next opponents. It's kind of tough to find his next real opponents until we get to WrestleMania. Yeah. Like legit opponents. Like he's running out. Like I say, maybe Bobby, maybe Sheamus. I like your edge theory. I really think that could possibly happen. I do like the edge. Um... Uh, I'm pretty sure I had somebody else in there. You know, I can't think right now. No, you just uh, mentioned Bobby and Sheamus. Bobby, Sheamus, and... I mean, Cody is the one that's like... I would have said either Summer... And obviously, Solo is going to get his in at some point. Solo, yeah. So, that's four people, but we have eight months. Now, granted, with four people, one or two of them, that feud can last for like two pay-per-views. Maybe Bobby. Bobby can feud him for like two type of views. Edge has one. Solo can feel about two. You know, so you can stretch it out. That's but assuming Roman gonna show up that much, and he's not. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's not gonna be on all, what we, it's eight pay-per-views left. He's not gonna be on all eight, but you know, one of the four people we named, Solo's for sure. I really like your Edge one, so I'm gonna say this probably almost for sure too. And maybe Bobby or Sheamus. I can see Bobby or Sheamus getting it. Maybe. Sheamus before Bobby. Sheamus before Bobby. Yeah, to throw another. Well, actually not. I think Sheamus has lost a little bit of steam. So I think I'd probably go Bobby over Sheamus at this very moment. But, but Bobby hasn't wrestled in a while. When has that before. stopped WWE before? No, I know. I'm just saying um, to have him hot with the, I'm going to assume, do hurt business. Do you really want to put him up against Roman just to lose? You know what I mean? I can see him. I, I could see them making it like. The United States Championship again. Nah, I'm so sick of seeing him versus Austin Theory. Um, well, I, I feel like LA Knight will win sooner or later. But I then sold. why would you. But then people will be pissed about LA Knight really get, not really getting much of an opportunity. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure the, the new Herpes is probably supposed to be heels. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but how I look at it is now. The issue that a lot of people had when they would go up against Roman was they did it by themselves, so they would be outnumbered. The way Bobby could spin it is, A, I got Montez and I got Angelo, so what you going to do? The numbers even out. If not anything, the numbers are on my side. On his side. It doesn't want to say that make it worse that he lost. I don't think so. If you, do, It depends how you do yeah, And I'm not saying it has to be like an lost. immediate thing. Just, like, sometime down the road, like, let them build themselves up, get some stature, get some more legitimacy. Like, again, it doesn't – honestly, I would rather see something to that effect instead of Cody at Mania. Hey, look, I agree. 
but you know, you, something just made me sad though. So the new hurt business is coming up, and you telling me right now, because the bloodline is pretty much done, we just got robbed again with not seeing the bloodline versus the hurt business. I mean, <laughs> that does suck. It's not. I would have loved to see that in a freaking war games match. That in a war games match would have been great. But the thing is, I don't think they're gonna be called the hurt business. I saw on Twitter. I'm still calling it Twitter. I think somebody called them the like street business or something like that. The street business. They can't be the street profits no more. They're legal now. It's like American gangster. You put a suit on. You gonna act a fool. You hey, gonna look, look good I, I, doing I, I, it. I, I like them together, and I'm. I, I don't know how you feel about it. I never just asked. I can't remember, but I just really want to see almost MVP with them. I really do, but I don't think that's gonna happen. But I'm happy with what I still have. I'm. I'm not that much of an almost fan. So MVP, sure. Almost can kind of like do what almost do. <laughs> almost do. Hey, I got another feud for Roman. AJ Styles. Why did I forget about him? Yeah, I could definitely see AJ Styles after him and Karrion Cross. I mean, that's where I was actually going to go before you interrupted me. But yeah, I'm I could sorry, see. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, you're good. But yeah, I could 100% see AJ Styles because we haven't seen that in years. So, and I mean, AJ Styles is also on his way out as well. So, boom, there you go. Well, how, how much longer he has on his contract? If it's more than two years, I'd be surprised. I don't even know if it's two years. But yeah, I can see AJ. Because AJ hasn't been doing much. No. I mean, he has a match against Karrion Cross in a feud that nobody cares about. And let me tell y'all something. Triple H, this is from me to you because I love you. No one is taking Karrion Cross seriously until he goes bald again. I can't take <laughs> Karrion Cross serious with the hair. I just can't. Yeah. Well, he's not going to go bald unless they're going to give him a push. Cut the hair and people will care. Oh, that's a well, slogan. <laughs> but, but, I mean, it's not the right time to push him. It's too many people. No, not even him. that, though. But at least nobody really gives a shit about him anymore. Because, like, at least when he didn't have any hair, like, he looked more intimidating. The hair now is just like, I'm not going to call him a surfer, honestly, bro. Honestly, they should send him back to NXT. Maybe he could do more on NXT. Cause I like that they put like main roster people that doesn't have a lot to do on NXT. I think that's pretty smart. It's smart, but honestly, outside of that entrance, there's nothing about. And Star Scarlet is dope. I like Scarlet, but other than that, there is nothing about Carrying Cross that I'm like I gotta tune in. Yeah. Cut the hair. Cut the hair. Make people care. Thank you. The NAC is okay. They got the condom and uh, mommy there. So I mean, well, wherever mommy goes, people gonna follow because exactly, exactly. And then prison dom is it's just so funny. Like how this man just can't say a word. That is probably the funniest thing in wrestling (laughs) to me. Like quite literally can't say nothing. Like the last time we really saw this, and it was different, of course. But when Roman beat Taker and Orlando, like for ten minutes, would not let him talk. Yeah, he just stood there in the middle of the ring. He was like, it's my yard now. But this is like, it don't matter where you go. Even the most dead crowds, they ain't going to let Dom say nothing. I love that. <laughs> it's like, golly, all because this man doesn't like his father. <laughs> man, if, if, if you didn't get, <laughs> if I got booed for not liking my father, <laughs> exactly. I think a lot of us would be booed everywhere. <laughs> I, hey, I'm not going to say, look, 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 I could get booed. <laughs> Shoot, I get more than booed. Y'all hate me. 
But no, how I look at it is. <laughs> like, my thing is, I think, now this is where I think that we, we as a WWE universe, because unfortunately I am a part of it as well. I think we're discriminating against Dom because y'all like his daddy. But I'm going to say something a little controversial. Hopefully y'all still listen to me after this. Rey Mysterio is probably the only Latino y'all actually like. <laughs> y'all probably don't like Latinos in your real life, but Rey Mysterio with the mask and the booyaka? Now you care? Mm, sick. That's like uh, sports teams, sports fans being racist, but hey, I like Jalen. I'm pretty sure they like Selena. They may be attracted to her, but that don't mean they like her. Okay, I see your point. I, 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 I get that. But yeah, hopefully y'all don't. Priest? Hopefully I don't get canceled. Damian Priest, right? Eh, let, I love me some Damian Priest, but realistically, nobody is ever going to pick Damian Priest to win a, a popularity contest. He's nah, he won. He, he won. He's probably honestly he's probably the least popular member of Judgment Day. And this isn't a knock against them. It's just people really you know don't what? like. You might be right. Like, and I love Damian Priest, and this is not a knock against him. I think he's great. It's just like, in terms of, compared to Rhea, Finn, and Dom, who they may boo him, but he's entertaining as hell. Yep. And basically, most of the people booing him are mad about Ray, and also they're jealous, because if I could have Rhea Ripley on my arm every day. Exactly. To... Y'all, I'd I be bitter, too. I'm going to be honest with you. And I'm, I've never just really been a guy that'd be like, ooh, this uh, this star is going to be on this show, so I'm watching it. Maybe probably for Bobby, because I'm a huge Bobby fan. But this is the one I knew I really liked Dom, and Dom was doing his job correct. When I saw the YouTube video of him saying, I'm going to be on NXT for that championship match, I said, I got to tune in and watch it. You want to know, I already love Dom, but you want to know what really like sealed it for me? This was very recent. Um, they, somebody, I think it was answering Twitter questions or something. And somebody asked him, would you ever reconcile with your father? And he was like, I think about it every day, but unfortunately Eddie's not here. (laughs) 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 Yeah, Dom cool as hell. I don't care if he's not that great in the ring. He makes me laugh by golly. And you know what? That's why I'm happy he's on NXT to get his in ring work better. You know, because like, like with that belt, he's going to be wrestling even more. And I, and WWE, uh, credit to WWE, he's been wrestling a whole lot more. He's a better in-ring performer. He had that match with um, Wesley, uh, AJ, oh. uh, Wesley, AJ Styles, like uh, no, Cody Rhodes, my bad. Match with Cody Rhodes, um, Sami Zayn. Like they've been putting up him in matches with people way better than him. In, I think that's going to help him learn. Yeah. Because he actually cares to work down. It's he just the in-ring ability. Well, his in-ring is not horrible, but mm-hmm. it, it can grow a lot. So, plus he's with Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and Rhea, which are all great in-ring performers as well. So, I think he's going to grow yeah. from there. There's, on, there's only up from here. But, yeah, that's our SummerSlam recap. Thank y'all so much for listening. And, obviously, this is going to be – this is recorded now, but in a couple of days the main show is going to be recorded. We'll talk all the good stuff. So, thank y'all so much for listening. Um, Embryo, anything you want to say before we get up out of here? Uh, congratulations to you for winning. I will get my my win back next – what was next? Payback? We're doing payback. The big payback. Um, yeah, the payback. But uh, everybody be safe. Just keep on pushing. Oh, how how sweet. 
Um, again, thank y'all so much for listening. Um, please should check out theexport.net, rpexport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. For my NFL fans, um, even if you're not a Colts fan, Raven works for the Colts now, so if y'all could support her work over there, I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, and yeah, Ethan, he's not here, but I'm sure he's hyped up about the Titans having a game this week. Um, and yeah, for him, you know, he's gonna say, Go Titans. You know what it is, Ravens flock. Go Saints, go New Orleans, let's get back to it. Oh, we're going to have fun this season. Actually, do the Saints come to Indy? I think the Saints come to Indy this season. I have not looked at their schedule, I'm not going to lie. I know you haven't, but I'll think of you when that game is going on. But again, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you all next time.